spirits were bombed, shellacked, waxed by the lowly Baltimore Orioles yesterday in Sarasota, Florida by a score of 12 to 3. Film at 11. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or hockey, we also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. Did you like my 6 o'clock slash 11 o'clock news impression? That's what happens with spring training results. They get condensed to that. Um, That is something that goes back on local TV forever. They don't have time to show you much, but they do want to show highlights. They want to mix it up a little bit, and they don't follow the team closely enough, if I can be candid, to be able to share anything of worth with you. So what they have is the final score, and they'll have one piece of footage that's enough to fill the final six or seven seconds of the sports segment. And that's what you get. Orioles 12, Pirates 3. And within that, if you're the casual observer, you're just, you know, you're just watching the news, right? You're remembering that the Orioles were the team that had the 0.00% chance, according to the betting odds, to win the World Series, and they are somehow slaughtering the team with the 0.04% chance to win the World Series. And everything is just doom and gloom and end of the world and all that other stuff. You know, I've been making a point of this a time or two through the spring and every other spring that the final score is the least significant thing that happens in a spring game. But even beyond that, most of the outcomes are insignificant as well. If you have a player on your roster, a hitter, who's smashing the ball and making a bunch of outs, please trust me that the manager, the coaching staff, the evaluators, and everyone else involved could not care less that that ball ended up in someone's glove. They're looking only at pitch recognition, swing, contact, all the rest from the beginning of baseball is out of the batter's control. It's just the nature of the sport. Same goes for if the player has a ton of hits but is getting relentlessly lucky. Infield squibbers, ball drops over the shortstop's head, a classic Bradenton double where the outfielder loses the ball in the high sun. That stuff gets thrown out as well. So let me let me take you inside this one game. This 12 to 3 manhandling by the Orioles of your Pirates. Adam Frazier went two for three. Adam Frazier was hitting out of the leadoff spot. That dropped his average to 667. Think about that for a second. 667. He's on the trading block. 
He's been on the trading block for a while, but it couldn't be clearer that Ben Charrington wasn't really getting many bites on him. So what's your best-case scenario coming into spring? Put Frazier right where he belongs, in the order and in the field. Declare him the second baseman, which, by the way, they smartly did right away. Why? To enhance his value. Frazier goes out there, and he hits, and he hits, and he hits. And these have not been cheapies, by the way. He's gotten extra bases out of these things. He's stung the ball. He's gotten locked in like this in the past, you'll recall, including in the regular season. It happens. Well, this is a really good time for it to happen. Because now all it's going to take is one of the other 29 GMs to lose their second baseman and say, who can I get? Oh, this guy here is a gold glove type defender, at least when the ball's, you know, hit to him. And he's just smashing the ball right now in Florida. What will it take to get him? And then Charrington can ideally pry away a prospect or two or three, depending on what the caliber of those prospects are. That's a big, big positive that matters a whole lot more than Baltimore 12, Pittsburgh 3. Kebrian Hayes hit a home run, had an RBI single. This was in his first two at-bats. He is batting four freaking 17. And just when you say, as I do all the time, that there's no way he's going to replicate what he did last season. It was just one month. Nobody can be Ted Williams their whole life except for Ted Williams. You're not going to keep that going. It's unsustainable. All Kibrian does is continue hitting the ball and hitting it very hard. What you don't see in these numbers is that even a lot of his outs are getting stung. He's really doing well. I want so badly to lay off this kid and the, you know, the hype and everything else. He doesn't allow you. At least not yet he hasn't. He won't let you take your foot off the gas when it comes to building him up. Brian Reynolds, one for three. Big deal? Eh, yeah, but guess what? For the overall spring, he's batting 300. There's not a player on the roster who the Pirates need more desperately to rebound from his 2020 season than Reynolds. He's not going to hit 183 again. I think we all know that. But the bigger question is, can he get back into the 300-plus range in the regular season the way he was through most of 2019? Can he do that? Because if so, then he's a very valuable piece to this team, not just now, not just next year, but for a good long while. As Charrington likes to put it, he can be part of the next the next winning Pirates team. He says that about a lot of guys in general, not about Reynolds. That, that's significant. Even though it's just one hit, it's part of a broader trend. Speaking of Gregory Polanco. One for two with a walk. And yes, you heard me say that correctly, a walk for Polanco. He is now batting 462. No, he will not do that when the regular season comes. The Pirates are not nearly that lucky. But if he's able to combine all of that violent contact 
with any semblance of poise at the plate. The kind that he is showing this spring, he's an impact guy. Uh, can you get prospects for him? Uh, not of significance. Uh, all you'd be doing with Polanco with his $11 million salary is moving him for the money, and then theoretically you hope that Charrington is able to apply that money toward future payrolls. All of that stuff always has to come with the qualifier, theoretically, because we have to see it play out to believe it. Not just you, me as well. These are all positives. All of these things matter. Chris Stratton pitched an inning and a third of scoreless relief. Chris Stratton's going to be a part of this team for a while. He's not a kid, but he's got a lot of years of major league control in front of him. Quinn Priester uh, made his spring debut, went out there and pitched in relief, didn't do particularly well, didn't last an inning, uh, gave up a run, a hit, and a walk, showed some wildness, possibly and understandably because of jitters. But he was out there. He was out there. He really matters. He really matters. After all the raves he's gotten from scouts and everything else, and he at least needed to get this over with. Not a positive for the day, but something that actually mattered. None of this is going to show up on your 6 o'clock, 11 o'clock news. It's not going to show up in most of your mainstream coverage, whether that's spoken, viewed, or written. That's just the nature of the beast. And really, right now in Pittsburgh, it's the nature of the pirates. They'll get a parenthetical mention, someone will giggle at them, and that'll be the end of it. But what's underlying here is actually, for the most part, not entirely, for the most part, pretty encouraging. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. If you'd like to leave one, you can do so by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that encompasses this podcast leave it right there in comments. Welcome back. It's time for just one question, and always on this program, that's brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar and the North Shore Tavern. Those are sister operations right next to each other on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park, the side with the Willie Stargell statue. They're open for business. They're serving everything. At Mike's, you can find more than 300 local beers available in-house from more than 50 local breweries. There's no place like it in the city. There's always, always 80 taps of local. They also are offering specials. Buy three crawlers, get three free. I'm not making that one up. Buy three crawlers and get three free. You also can get 50% off mix and match six packs. Next door at North Shore Tavern, that's the home of the steak on a stone. That's all I ever need to say about North Shore Tavern, other than it's a Pirates fan's delight with the decor in there. Only Pirates Bar in Pittsburgh. Mike's Beer Bar and North Shore Tavern. And today's Just One Question comes from Scott Nelson, who asks, what do you look at when evaluating the Pirates during spring training? I guess the answer would depend, Scott, on who the you is in the equation. If it's the more casual fan, I'm imagining that you watch from the standpoint of 
gee, let's surprise some people or let's stick it to the doubters or let me be able to brag to my friends if the team does even reasonably better than the amazingly low expectations that are mostly out there. So from that standpoint, it's, and I hate to say this, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who, when they watch these games, you know, principally on TV, they're doing so hoping that the Pirates just win the game. You know, it's 5-5 in the eighth inning, and all you're thinking is, how are we going to get the next run? I'd say for the more uh, informed, the more intense fans, the ones that really follow everything, you're going to be looking for signs of hope. You're going to be looking at certain guys and and wishing that they show well, regardless of the score, regardless of, of whatever outcomes are taking place. If somebody leaves the bases loaded at the end of an inning, but that somebody happens to be some, you know, no-name journeyman, what you're more focused on is the fact that maybe in that case all three of the people on base were kids who, you know, did a good job getting on base, that kind of thing. Mine, if you're asking me, I'm looking for repeatable skill. That's my answer to your question. It's repeatable skill. I want to see young players in particular do things on a consistent basis that maybe other people can't do so well. I'm talking about hitting the ball hard, again, regardless of outcome. I'm talking about throwing the ball hard or showing really good off-speed stuff. Example comes on that ladder count is Miguel Yahure. If you've seen him pitch this spring, You'll know what I'm talking about. I mean, his fastball is, is is whatever. It's there. It's enough to keep people honest. And I'm sure he can ramp it up from where it's been. But the off-speed stuff is through the roof. And he's got wipeout material. Uh, and his ability to, especially against right-handed batters, to have them lunging awkwardly. And then he does it again. And then he does it again, so you're not wondering if it's just a, a thing. And then he does it with some command. So you're seeing that he also can locate it for strikes, and he doesn't just trap himself in situations where he hopes for them to swing at pitches out of the zone because eventually batters get wise to that, and they just put the bat on their shoulders. When I see those kinds of things, when I see those kinds of skills, that to me is a real thing. That to me is something that translates to, okay, even if he has to work on this pitch or that pitch or this pickoff move or this type of poise or pitching out of the stretch instead of the windup, those are skills that can be acquired. They can be taught. They can be learned. But when you're talking about the raw stuff and you see it again and again and again, that's that's promise. You know, that's when you start looking around the diamond and saying, okay, well, who else can we say this about? All right, what do we say about uh, this position or that position or this arm or that arm? 
that's that's what I look at way more than anything. I have seen far more of this stuff that I'm talking about right now, infinitely more than I did in 2020, in the spring of 2020. And I am surprised by that. I did not expect that, partly because I guess, you know, it's it's only human to have your expectations influenced by those of everybody around you. And you think to yourself, it's going to be a clown show. And then you realize that what actually happened in 2020 happened with pretty much other players, other pitchers. Look at how many of those guys are gone. Look how many of those guys were established semi-older commodities. There are exceptions to that. Brian Reynolds and Kevin Newman leap to mind. But does anybody really think Reynolds is going to hit 183 again? Does anybody really think Newman's going to struggle the way he did? You're going to see some natural bounce backs from some of these guys. But the link between 2020 and 2021 for the Pirates is pretty strained at best. And when I watch this team now in spring training, I'm seeing one that it hits okay. You know, I, I honestly believe that hitting is going to be the number one issue for this club. It's been pitching pretty well all the way down. You know, even the fringe guys have done pretty well. And it's really catching the ball. There's been some terrific defense. And I'm not just mean highlight plays. I mean stuff that, you know, that you want to see again on a regular, repeatable basis, particularly in the infield, which looks and feels very different than it did this time a year ago, in, in part because Brian Hayes was not your anointed third baseman. And Josh Bell was your anointed first baseman. Hayes has been Hayes over at the hot corner, and Colin Moran's actually looking okay at first. He doesn't have to move as much, you know? He catches what comes his way. Everybody has said that about Moran forever. He'll catch what comes his way. Just don't make him, you know, have to show any range in the process. I hope that answers your question, Scott. This is going to be different for everybody, but that that's it for me. I just want to see things that look like they are transferable to the major leagues whenever it is that it comes time for that to matter. Thanks for the question. Thanks to everybody for listening today. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure.
visit projectchildsafe.org.